like cell phones. Look, I didn't know this by switching. <laughs> well, okay. We said stun. <laughs> well, good evening and greetings. Thank you all so very much for making another delightful trek with us today. We are here to okay. recap the latest edition of Trekkers Delight, today's episode of Discovery's Rubicon. You know, a long time ago in college, I took Latin and I learned the story of oh, Caesar and his crossing of the Rubicon. And just by crossing the Rubicon, it committed him and his troops and the entire fate of Rome was thereafter changed. Chew on that for just a little bit, just a little bit, um, as we talk about as we talk about Trekkers Delight in general. Before we get started, I want to give you a brief summary of today's episode. Starfleet wants to stop Book and Tark at all costs because they have already decided to initiate first contact with Species 10C, but Book and Tarka's brand of first contact is not what's on the menu. To ensure Burnham doesn't let her relationship with Booker get the better of her, Commander Nan is back to keep a watchful eye on Discovery's crew. Nan tells them Starfleet has decided that as a last resort, they plan on blowing up Book's ship. As we know, Discovery has a trace on his ship. Burnham, Saru, and Culber fill nine in on their plan to gain entrance into Book's ship through a cloaked shuttle. Unbeknownst to Book, Tarka has installed a new defense system and it almost kills the away team, but not without help from Book, who saved them. After a brief fight, Book and Tarka manage a quick escape. They arrive near the DMA and it makes their scanning and other technologies difficult to use. Not wanting to fire on book, Nan and Burnham worked out a compromise that allows them to know how much time they have before the DMA strikes another area of space. The current area is an unoccupied area of space. Through the help of Stamets, we learn it will be another week before the DMA leaves this area. Book accepts the compromise, but Tarka takes matter into his own hands and launches the weapon. Tarka destroys the DMA, but could not find the power source connected to the controller. Saru receives an overture from President Tarina. Look at Saru getting all busy and stuff. Cobra had to remind Saru that he was being an idiot by not entertaining the request, of course. And the DMA reappears in the same spot. the hell all right guys let's get into it let's get into it let's get into it first let's start by introducing ourselves it's a lot of us here today it's probably the most that we've had in a very long time but at the top what i see is manny manny can you introduce yourself to us hello i'm mental Eunice. pleasure to be here how's it going everyone happy to be here back at trekkers delight thank you so much jermaine for that intro telling us all about saru getting busy a little bit of a tizzy uh my first time recording with uh danger and roy marie welcome william welcome thanks for being here so good to see everybody go ahead man excellent william hi guys my name is william walford i hail from little rock arkansas i'm the videographer for Turkish delight i recently had a 28th birthday two days ago so woo woo um i cannot i this is actually it's true this is most we've had in a very long time normally we go up to like four maybe five but this is we got six so yeah so hopefully me and marie will have some self-control <laughs> do we ever though what is like, self-control <laughs> like like we have no self-control that's why we These have our shows coming out of your mouth i don't look, understand them look here Pulaski. Oh no! <laughs> Danger! Hello, folks. I'm uh, William Danger Newman. Uh, happy to be on uh, Trekkers Delight, and uh, really looking forward to a great discussion on this last Discovery episode. Excellent, thank you, sir. Roy. Oops, I think Roy, you're Roy on put move. himself on mute. 
Sorry, I didn't want there to be an echo. I'm Roy from sunny Southern California, and I've been a Trek fan since the mid-70s when I was a teenager, and I haven't stopped watching since. Thank God for Trek. I don't know if that's blasphemous or not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And last but certainly not least, the queen, Marie. Hey. I'm going to need a tiara, guys. Like, I, I expect that to be done and made for me. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Marie Brownhill. Um, I am one of the main cast members here at Trekkers Delight, and you can maybe find me writing Unimatrix 47 and the Modern Gamer column for Game Industry News. And that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, oh, let's see. This didn't work. Okay, there we go. All right, so I see that there's some comments in the chat. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so let's get straight to it. I'm trying to find my banners. Yeah, here we go. There we go. All right, so was destroying the DMA a rational act? And also, are we really asking if that if that toad is rational? <laughs> is Tarka rational? Yes, I want to know because what he said was basically um, he 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 gave a theory, expected utility. Um, the theory basically recommends you knew he was um, gonna have some stuff. You knew he's gonna do something. Yeah, um, that if you know rational people should choose a rational decision in complex situations, according to him, right? And so my question is. Is he rational and was he being rational when he destroyed the DMA given the circumstances? I would say no. Please expound. He knew at that point. Yeah, he knew at that point that the DMA was not gonna move and was not threatening to another civilization for at least a week. They had a week to talk this out, figure this out, see if they could contact species 10c and try to work something out but he was not rational he didn't that's not something that he was prepared to do he didn't he wasn't interested in resolving the conflict he was interested in getting access to the power source so he could go to the universe that he wants to go to to try to find somebody that he doesn't even know for sure is there and probably in all likelihood is dead mm. William. <clears throat> okay. So you, earlier you asked, is he rational? I want to say, are they rational? Because that man has more than one face. Like, he just, he just, I just want to get the pronouns correct. Because that dude is crazy as hell. But you knew he was crazy as hell when you saw that thing at the back of his head. And and honestly, it was too peaceful at the end. I was like, okay, he's going to do something. So what was he rational? I'm like, why is, I guess, not to be sarcastic, but why is rational even part of the question when it comes to Tarka? I don't, I, 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 I am Confucian. Like, honestly, I'm trying, What? like, I'm looking at the TV knowing Tarka is going to do something. I haven't seen any spoilers, mind you. But it was too calm. It was too quiet. And Book is just lost in love. And he's just so glad to talk to Michael again. Oh, I'm so happy for you, baby. But next time, turn the hell around. <laughs> All right. Let's so switch relationship to Relationship advice oh. from William Wofford. Gotcha. Gotcha. Save more money when you switch to single. <laughs> Let's switch to Manny. Manny Manny was like, look, I'm not going to talk about this episode. I'm going to save it for the live show. And so Manny is ready. Manny, what you got? He always sets me up like that. And it freaks me out. <laughs> well, if anybody on this podcast is going to be rational, it's going to be you. Like, you Thank are the, you. Nice you are the most ready. rational one, yes. Maybe Roy, these guys maybe Roy, up. I don't know. No, no, Roy and Danger get out. No, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, Roy, what was that? Nothing. I got. I got notes when it's my turn to go. I love it. I love it. Um, it's so funny. It's rational. Well, hearing the word rational immediately takes me to when Michael <clears throat> said that book was being rational, which juxtaposes Tarka being irrational, and we've never. No one has ever plumbed the depths of Tarka's genius. Like he's on. Like put everything else aside. With emotionality, it's such an emotional episode, but like Tarka is this driven genius who has figured out a way to do this. He outclassed Stamets. He outclassed everyone at every turn and, and figured all this stuff out. Now he's about to launch his weapon. 
and this expected, I can't remember the name of the thing that he's like, uh, viability or something. I thought it was going to kill book on the spot. So that drive to destroy the rational act or to destroy the, uh, the DMA is rational in the sense that it's a threat. But as soon as they found out that it wasn't a, like a near and present danger, um, book backed off. It, is rational to wait when you know you have a timeline, which I will not even, con you know, the Boronite not necessarily being the actual rate limiting step and saying that the Boronite was the thing that was like, and they calculated 154 hours. That's fine. Not necessarily true, but that's fine. And yeah, it would have been irrational at that point to destroy it because you know that you might be having some retaliation. Plus they knew that there was like a mining equipment. It wasn't like some other reason that it was there. So it was irrational to try to destroy it at that point, given the evidence that they had, but it's always rational to destroy an existential threat. <clears throat> excellent, excellent. Roy wanted to jump in. What you got, Roy? So I don't think species 10C is actually phased by this attempt to destroy the, it's the DMA. It's almost like they're just swatting a fly. I mean, the way that that DMA came back pretty much instantly in the same spot, uh, I don't think they were phased by it, but at least they got their attention. So maybe they'll listen to what Starfleet has to say if they're somehow able to make contact, even though they're on the other side of the galaxy. Um, and maybe Starfleet can suggest, hey, can you just modify your your miner to look for, uh, you know, carbon-based life forms, other types of life forms, things like that, and and omit, you know, going into areas. I mean, it's a pretty big galaxy. Just omit going into those areas that that have those life forms, you know, they, they might be re reasonable. I don't know. We can only hope, like right? Like maybe don't eat inhabitant planets. Yeah. Don't eat the planets that have people on them or things or other beings, you know, but who's to say what sentience is. It could be a planet of, of robots or, you know, where, where Picard left off. <laughs> and my I said, that. No. I said uh, that. I said that. I said that. I said that. I said that. Said Marie. Marie. So I'm really interested that we're choosing rationality here because um, I have read a lot of Antonin Scalia's Supreme Court opinions over the years. Oh, and I will point, I will argue to you that each and every one of those opinions was rationally argued, logically argued, all of the above. The problem is, is that mm -hmm. he and I are coming at it from two very different like basic line assumptions, mm -hmm. right? And so Tarka is <laughs> acting completely rationally according to his own value structure and his own goals and what he wants, right? Like that's, that is, so if you're asking me objectively, is he making a rational act? Yes. Like I complete, I can chart out the logic for what he's doing. Um, my symbolic logic professor might cry if I tried, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> But the problem is the initial assumption, right? It's Tarka has this thing that he wants and, and danger's right, okay? We don't know that this person, entity, whatever, is alive, likely not. He's still keeping this promise to some rando that's dead and he's completely willing to sacrifice most of the quadrant mm -hmm. in order to achieve that goal. So, if not the galaxy. So late, if you want to, if you want to ask me, if you want to ask me if his choices are rational, sure, they're rational in light of what he wants to do and how he's moving to to realize that goal. But if you ask me if it's a good decision, if you ask me if it's a moral decision, that's a totally different kettle of fish. Right. And I think it's easy. I mean, I, I think it's really easy to dismiss Tarka as nuts. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I I I, I go back and forth on this question a lot. Um, but also psychological evaluation is not in my wheelhouse. Um, but <laughs> the problem <laughs> with Tarka is not that he's nuts. It's that take everything you assume about morality, about the right thing to do, and then place yourself in the middle. And that's Tarka. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Definitely the wild card. So, I mean, I guess you could call that narcissism, but again, well, and I, you know, and I don't get the, the impression from, from seeing some of the things he's done. Like for example, when the, 
uh, Discovery shuttle um, tried to dock with Book's ship and he had installed that security system that basically was going to tear the ship apart. Um, I got the feeling from that and watching some of the other scenes with him that he just doesn't value human life. He, he values science. He's passionate about the science and, and his work. Uh, but the thing he's most passionate about is himself because for the past 10 years, he has devoted himself to nothing but trying to get to this other universe. He and I would argue really we knew that about the people. I'm sorry. I would argue we knew that very early because one of the first introductions we have to Tarka is a discussion that he's having with I can't even remember if it's Stamets or Saru or or possibly both, maybe Jet Reno in the back, who's just like, What are you doing? He hmm. actually talks about experimenting on this type of cat. Um and how hmm. Ultimately, the cat, like ultimately, the the experiment resulted in a remarkably nasty end for the cat, and everybody else is kind of like, you know, torturing animals is a sign of something, right? Yeah, it's a sign of something, and Tarka's just like, and I don't understand why. I don't understand why I was making I was making leaps for science, right? <laughs> no, no. I think that's kind of the mark of a sociopath. Yes. Yes. And y'all, look, this is the first time I think that Danger has been on the live show. Is that true, Danger? Is this your first, first time show? on the live show? Yeah. Okay. Can everyone check out his background? I'm sorry. I, I just, legit just want, I was going to say is that, that I legit board, want to move into your board, bonus alcove room, back there? It, it looks it, like it. It's the disc from a Borg alcove. Yes. I need to know how you got that and where can I get one? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I have had that thing for uh probably 25 years wow. i got it Wait, is, is that an original one well yeah it is an original one from when they first started making them for the show and mm. i had to have one and i bought it and mostly it just sat in my basement on a shelf <laughs> except i would bring it out every year on halloween and then i finally we finished the basement a number of years ago and i finally decided you know what i've got a spot for that i know where it's going <laughs> <laughs> i like it I, I like it. it. I also, I, I also really it. like the the fact that you're crossing both franchises. Yeah, you like the Star Wars droids. I do. Of, I do. Like, I mean, lightsaber, lightsaber. Yeah. You know, there's, across yeah. from cards. There's Grogu up there. Yeah. <laughs> I see the lightsaber. Yeah. Is that a yeah. Gundam poster? Is he in the back? There's Picard. I see. Yeah. There's a, there's Doctor Who down there. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla posters. David oh, still get out. Okay. Oh my God! You need to come decorate my room yeah, or something. It. Like I like okay. Garbage everywhere. All right, we we, we got to start drooling over this man's like basement. <laughs> like seriously, we have like, we have things to do, and I have a sneaking suspicion that Roy also has a collection, the depths of which we have not plumbed. Yes, oh, yes, God. yes, yes, Here and we we're go. gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it in just a moment. But first, let me ask this next question. Let me ask this next question. Uh -oh. Um, how does uh the fact that Tarka blew up the DMA. How does this affect the Federation's plans for first contact, given the recent situation? Yeah, uh, our bad. Um, he was a little nuts. We didn't mean to mess with your mining vessel. Yeah. <laughs> Although part of me also kind of kind of thinks that maybe Roy is, Roy's onto something with the idea that like. 10c is just not even going to notice i mean that it's akin it basically it's akin to you know throwing rocks at this thing right that was kind of my thought too is that uh species 10c um it almost seemed like they weren't surprised by it or that maybe they're familiar with something occasionally going wrong and them having to send a new machine because it didn't take them very long to have a new machine up and running and it wasn't like they were afraid to sending uh, send another machine out there thinking whoever destroyed the first one is going to destroy this one um so my impression is is that maybe maybe they're a little bit like tarka in the sense that they just don't give a rat's butt and uh you know yeah i really sort of feel like happened to our already, dma has we'll already like <laughs> sorry what has already broken that that particular theory <laughs> like feel free <laughs> right 
All right. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. They, they species 10C, it's like maybe a, a gnat's nibble, right, to them <laughs> uh, if they're that powerful. And uh, there's like, oh, yeah, yeah, send out a, you know, what would we do if we had one of our drilling machines, uh, you know, uh, destroyed by an ant colony or something we'd send a new drilling machine and we wouldn't care about the ants Mm. we just replace it fix it start drilling again so that's what i think they're doing yeah but manny is that climactic i mean this is a this is a tv show right so we've got to have some 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 climax right we've got to be entertained so is that remember that william is about 16 years old and so he's giggling (laughs) I'm sorry, what'd you say, Marie? And remember that William's about 16 years old, so he's giggling. Look, look, I have been 16 for the past 12 years, okay? And I love it. You're on mute. You're on mute. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the climax. Is it climactic? No, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely like, we've definitely reached a point where as, as these existential threats are looming across different like Star Trek uh, franchises, Picard and stuff, where um, you never know what's gonna happen next. Once you make contact, once we know more about 10C, big Chekhov gun there, if you ever heard of one, right? They're just setting up like this big like uh, MacGuffin of like whatever's gonna happen there. Um, you know, I was really just thinking about it, like right off the top of the dome, like what do I think? I think that Two things. One, I mean, I, I heard what Danger said, and I and I get that, but I also think that it's possible that this is an odd, like an automated response, like something just like regenerated, and it was like so it either didn't register with the sensi or did register. Now, if it didn't register with them and it was just some automated process, or whatever, it's like we didn't make contact. Like the assumption is that we've made first contact by the end of this episode. So let's say that we have. They may not think or communicate in a way that we understand, which could be said about any like, you know, xenomorphic species, anything like external to us. Uh, They didn't immediately come out and talk to us in the galaxy. They may not like, they're farming us basically. Um, And they may not realize that we're sentient, which is like a big thing in Ender's game or whatever. So there's so many possibilities here. I don't know where it's headed. I just know that this has been my favorite episode so far because finally the plot is moving. You know, we're finally moving the bus, like, you know, getting somewhere and the emotionality and the actual like, like when all of these things are, are going down, you're looking towards your crewmates and you're looking towards it. You finally like laid enough of a base down that you have this emotional connection with book, you have this emotional connection with um, Nan or Reese or, or and uh, Rice. And you're like, well, OK, finally, we're seeing that or Detmer or Owashiken, Owashiken. And so what I would say really is that we don't really know if they've made first contact or if it's been successful. What if it's a natural blip or phenomenon is danger with point. But if it is and they are coming, I'm finally happy for this to, for us to just reveal like Manny, what is happening. I've got a question for you, Manny. Do you please, think please. it's possible that this new species 10C could be could become the new existential threat for the Federation. I really did think for a while, if you, you know, that there was something about the um, control <clears throat> or something in Picard with those like AI coming out like yeah. from an extra galactic, but there, that, was, that was extra dimensional and extra galactic. Right. So, you know, like the idea of some, and I would love to tie the threads together where this existential threat is actually connected to all of these things. And just like how Picard had the last episode, where he went to these different like timelines or whatever maybe they were being like sewing these things up and then they actually do overlap through through, uh, strange new worlds through lower decks through picard through discovery which would be fantastic um if they are introducing something new it's a lot of buildup it's a lot so and we just don't know all i know is the controller yeah Right. You know, and the fact that they had this like amazing and it's a dark matter anomaly rather than like something like they're actually using energy and frequencies rather than technology. There's a technology yeah. that's being powered extra galactically, not dimensionally, yeah. which is everything's been dimensional. This is extra galactic. Like, so 
It's either something can jump galaxies or it's farming. Mm -hmm. other, so we're talking about a civilization that's so big that it's colonized its own galaxy and now it's colonizing other galaxies. So yeah. I, would, I would say it's different, actually, because AI wouldn't. I think the AI in that Picard at the end were even more advanced than what you're seeing here. Right. Let's All go, right. William. Oh, I'm sorry. William, you had a uh, I hope that was okay. danger. Did you have a follow up? Yeah, no, uh, no, I think that's uh, that's right. So, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It looked like you had something else to add. I'm still in the main window. Yeah, it looked <laughs> like you had something else to add. No, no, I really like. I'm like I'm not trying to rush to like my judgment. Like I'm really because I'm still soaking in like what happened during this episode. So much happened, and the plot finally moved. And so you're thinking, okay, like what? Why is the boronite important? First of all, I want to know why the boronite is important, why they're farming us for it. And why are they using it as a power source? There's so many others that you could use. The Omega there... particle. What's that? I mean, we so all thought the So boronite actually comes to us from Voyager. <clears throat> um, and if you remember the Omega Directive episode, boronite is actually what Seven uses to synthesize briefly the Omega molecule. So that's one of the things that they're trying to do and signaling us with the fact that 10C is mining boronite. Mm, I get it. That, that's brilliant. If you could actually use Omega, well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why isolytic would also work as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Also, every time I think about Boronite, I have to, I ha I immediately flash back to Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because there was the Omega device in the bottom of, of the protector. Oh, I forgot what that was. <laughs> that's what they're, that's what they're, that's what they're spinning off of. That's what they're mocking is this Omega particle episode, which is just kind of so off the ball. I didn't know that. You're just a fountain of these ideas, Mary. I love. I it like how I like how we're just on the same page because I was literally gonna say that. For real? I was real? literally gonna say that. Maybe not the first half, but definitely the second half. When I looked at that device, I was like, is that the Omega Molecule? Like, really? Like, so oh, the way it was spinning and stuff? The yeah. way it was spinning, the way it had that octagonal shape yeah. type yes. thing, it reminded me of an Omega Particle. You and know what it like, reminded me of? Was the Genesis Torpedo. The Genesis Wave. A little bit. Okay. 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 But what Now I was, we're reaching in the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we're definitely reaching. I I just want I just want to put this out there. Um, when I saw that scene, um, where he realized that it was being cool, honestly, I think if not all of us, some of us definitely knew this thing wasn't controlled at the dead center. It was being controlled from somewhere else. And if if it's a mining thing, they're just gonna send another, which they did anyway. So I liked his I liked Tarka's oh shit moment. Um when he sat down, because it reminded me of Balana when they tried to um, sneak, um, when they tried to rush their way home with mm -hmm. uh, what, what was that species that had the, you could tell, um, transport yeah, 40,000 yeah, yeah. light years, and mm -hmm. she realized it wasn't compatible with Federation technology. That's right. Anticipate for anti neutrinos. She, they, he sat down the exact same way. So that was his moment. And I was like, ha! And my, Sorry. <laughs> I, you know, yes, thank you. And overall, when I look at Tarka, he's like a combination of Eobard Thorne and Tony Stark. Okay. Like, Eobard, being the reverse Flash, play Barry, if you any if anyone's here watch Flash. Play Barry. Right. He played Barry to get his powers, even though that was going to be his arch enemy, and he knew it. Yeah. Practically raised him scientifically just so he would find a way to get home. Yeah, that with enough power, him. right? Because he needs um, the power of two speedsters to make it home, which is pretty much what Tarka was trying yes. to do. Right. So, I'm curious as to what Tarka will do next. Um, what will happen to Book? Is Book going to survive? Someone's going to die. So, I'm sorry, and I hate to say that, but and I think Book has been resigned to that um, from episode I don't know, maybe three. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think. Again, I don't think Book intends to come home, ever. Because now he has to like do the heroic sacrifice to atone for his I so agree sins. with you. I just, yeah. You know what? I didn't want to believe that or whatever. But in that moment when he was explaining that, and he was like, he had that flat mon monotone. He's just like, you have to have the rationality to do what you need to do. I'm like, oh no, are they gonna kill Book right now? Like that was what I was like. That was my oh shit moment. It's like, 
goodness gracious. And he would have killed them and done something crazy, but he didn't. So I definitely see that, Marie. Yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much knew when he when he gave or left grudge with Michael. Um, oh. He is he is literally leaving this cat, which is has been demonstrated to be like his baby, right. um, somewhere that he thinks she'll be safe because he yeah. knows he's about to jolly off into um, a blaze of isolitic horror. Yeah, just jolly off, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're apparently like whatever's going to happen here is we're just going to destroy subspace somehow. I was going to say that the Omega molecule does it. You didn't like when I brought that up last time about an isolitic uh, thing and how it was going to de destroy subspace. I said, let's go to that episode with the twins and they were scientists and TNG and say, oh like, yeah, they tried to warn them, right? Because it was basically like a pollution episode, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then yeah. we dropped it. Like we're yeah. all going at warp five now because <laughs> we're ruining stuff. Like it's such mm -hmm. a bad move in terms of, and then they just started keep going. Like, oh, uh, Federation has authorized us to go warp nine. Right, like they occasionally drop that in and it's then just vaguely let it stop. They, they, they vaguely yeah. let it just fade away, which is really the right answer. <laughs> See how it like, so when the isolytic device went off, right? And he was looking for the power source, whatever. We didn't see the same effect as we did in that episode where um, it mm -hmm. tore subspace or whatever. So I don't know if it, it would have been stronger even than that one. It should, like, we didn't see the same effect that we saw in TNG. That that explosion was not as big as I thought it would be. Yeah. Like how does something that is I get I get that the that the control device at the center of it is probably the size of my TV, but at the same time, this thing is five light years across. Right. Shouldn't have there been like an implosion or a shockwave or something? I mean, if you blow up a sun, it's gonna take out a whole power station. We saw that in generations. So, and we saw what the 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 insurrection insurrection when they what was it? Subspace weapons were banned, and they had to ignite parts of the nebula to throw off the bad guys. So I, I, I wasn't impressed. You said you said a title that I don't recognize. It, it sounds like a movie that didn't happen. No, for you that's Final Frontier. Okay, we've already established that. Okay, look, I know that it looks so fake when they, when they acted like that they were hit by a torpedo when really they didn't. I know it looked horrible. Okay, but but your movie is Final Frontier. Do not take Insurrection away from me. <laughs> How much happened? We are not. Direction is somewhere between <laughs> no, like marries the worst parts of the Tholian web with the worst parts of the last Starfighter. I just not... want to remind everyone that in, on every episode, they they remind us that Species Ten C is much more advanced than the Federation. Right. So I'm thinking that some of that has to do with the fact that they have advanced uh, weaponry and technology. Yeah, but let me let me go safe, to um. It's got a safe shutdown mode where. The controller's destroyed and it just calmly powers down and disappears. Yeah. Roy, your thoughts. Well, you, you have the, you know, you're, you're playing catch up, like you're cleaning it all up. And there was a lot said from my original question. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I answered that question or this question before. So now I'll tell you Parker was irrational <laughs> because he's a nut. <laughs> okay. All right. So well, let's go to the well, next question. Well, oh, I'm sorry. But um, Marie was saying about that the Omega Directive. I completely forgot about that. So that's my homework assignment. Is I got to go back and watch that. <laughs> so as far as oh, there, I'm not sure if I should apologize or not. Well, I love these homework assignments. Anything that's great. Yeah. yeah. But you Jermaine? guys have like you know your main. Yeah. Before we move on, before we move on to the next question, I just have a real quick one. Okay. Did anyone else catch the Star Wars reference in the episode? Hold up now. Wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> I feel like he's been wait he's been waiting on this. He's been like he's like looking around uh, his basement, going, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh I, I suck right now, actually. Okay. And I'm, wow. Was it with Culber when he was calming everyone down? No. Okay. No. All right, I need a clue. I need a clue because I yeah. saw all the Star Wars. So I need a clue. Like, all right. Yeah. It has yeah. to do with the way Commander Nan is going to be taking out Booker's ship. 
Oh, the fate. Um, Are you talking about the way they were going to hit the torpedo? Like the way they wanted to kind of like kind of like the Death Star. Yes, exactly. So they're going to fire. They're going to fire a photon torpedo into the impulse manifold, which will start a chain reaction and destroy the ship. Whereas Star Wars fires proton torpedoes into the thermal exhaust port to start a chain reaction and destroy the. Death that story. is that is you're, brilliant because you're, you're it, right. I thought about that. Yeah. If you watch, if anyone has watched the Rogue One movie, is yeah. that my favorite? That yeah, I love that. They they've established mm. that the creator of the Death Star purposely yeah. put in right. a method, a so yeah. a flaw, and, right. and, they, and disguised. And so it. did Federate the Federate. So did uh, the Federation Star did the Wait. same thing. Right. That's brilliant. See? You know, that's not that far fetched, actually. No, I like him. Can we keep him? <laughs> well, yeah, William Centurion from Danger to Mon Mothma. <laughs> there you go. All right, William, since you're up, yeah. Um, and we've kind of sort of talked about it, um, as we normally do. Um, where do we see Book and Tarka after all of this? What's going to happen to their characters? Oh, they done. Are they though? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Are you saying their characters in general or their relationship with each other? No, 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 not with each other. Um, in terms of discovery, what's going to happen to their characters? For instance, will the Federation say, "Okay, book, we understand," or will they say, "Tarka, no, we got to do something about you." You know what I'm saying? Like, what's oh, I, I tell, I, I tell you what's going to happen. Hold on. This is literally in the episode title, guys. <laughs> Rubicon, yes, I know, but um, what I saw uh, earlier it, it was it was a lot of Booker, right? And so it leads me to believe that Booker's not going anywhere. I don't oh. know exactly what's going to happen to him, mm. but I don't think he's going anywhere. I agree. I, I, t- I t- look okay. I think. Every show that I've seen where someone does something the way Book did, it never ends well. Or it never, I won't say ends well, because it's not ending in my opinion. It never progresses well. By that, I feel like Tarka is not done. He's he's determined and he's going to keep going. He will probably not book out, take him hostage and take over his ship. Book's going to probably blow the thing up and sacrifice himself in the process. Um, if it doesn't go that route, let's say that book somehow manages to go back to the Federation, which I do not think is going to happen. Um, yeah, they're going to arrest him. They're going to detain his ship. They're going to do what Starfleet is going to do within the power that they currently have. So I, I'm sorry, but I do not see a stable relationship ending for Michael or book. You already know Tark has got to go. But I also know that given his given his demeanor, Tarka is not done. He has just begun. He has just begun. Let, I mean, let's put this into perspective. He already ascertained that they were going to board the ship. He already ascertained that Book was going to back out at the last minute. Wouldn't it stand to reason that Tarka had the same um, access to the information that Michael gave Book? That this is basically a mining. Rig, if he if he knows that, then that means he had already thought. I, I'm probably giving him too much credit, but he probably already entertained the thought that okay, if this happens, this is what I need to do. That's what I think. Okay, Roy. Yeah, so like he was saying, Tarka's like a little chess player. He already knows. He already had everything planned. Like when they tried to board the ship. He had that device that was crushing the, you know, the shuttlecraft. So he's always seems to be a step ahead of yes. everything. So he's got an escape plan. I don't think he is going to want to end up in the brig somewhere. Oh yeah. Uh, as far as book, he's going to go back to Starfleet and maybe try to get his his job back and say, look, you know, I mean, at least I did offer to give give you guys that week, and you know, I'm not the one that pulled pulled the trigger. So can I get a break? Marie, 
I like Roy's idea that, that Booker is gonna go and try to do a, try to negotiate a plea bargain. Right. <laughs> Starfleet legal. Um, no, no, really. Let me rat out Tarka, and everybody's gonna be like, no. <laughs> exactly. exactly. No, we don't. We don't. We don't need you to turn ev states' evidence on this. Like we don't. Yeah, I watch too many cop shows, you know, as well. Uh, <laughs> um. Honestly, I think I, I, my money is on Book sacrificing himself in order to stop Tarka. Because yeah. I agree with everybody else who said that this man's a chess player, that he no doubt has plans within plans within plans. Um, I'm really, really praying um, to, you know, great Cthulhu sleeping in relay um, that we get to see somebody give Tarka his comeuppance. Um, but that's because I am a petty creature. And I really despise this character. Like, <laughs> really despise it. Um, but, you know, I'll be interested. I really will be interested to see how they treat this. Because, like I said, you know, this is... They chose the title of this episode for a reason. This is the Rubicon. Mm -hmm. Somebody has crossed the Rubicon, my friends. And my money is on Book and Turco. Can you give us a background on the significance of the title Rubicon for those that might not get it? Oh, um, yeah. So it's 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 kind of like burning your bridges, right? Like or right. Like a bridge or a bridge too far. Okay. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember which which campaign. The river in Rome. Where yeah, I can't remember. No, Rubicon. That's the that's the. Is home this like a is this like a point of no return reference? It is a point yes. of no return reference because basically what happened is um, okay. I want to say it was Caesar took yeah. his um, actually took his forces across the Rubicon and um, basically got the Roman Empire's arse handed to him in violation of what the Roman Senate wanted. Yes, you're never yeah. allowed to order bring the so it wasn't really like at that point it was still the Republic. It was before he decided that he was going to he was going to do away with that pesky Senate business. Yes. You know? Don't you just love how Star Trek just chooses certain names for certain ships in certain episodes? It's brilliant. So I, think, right. I mean, I, I think all of this has meaning, right? Oh, yeah, um, definitely. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. What's up? You've had, your, you've had your history lesson for the day. Hey. Yay! That's so great. Um, what I think is going to happen with Book and Tarka, well, what we've seen is, you know, they've played their cards. I really did think that Tarka was going to kill in that moment and the fact that he didn't speaks volumes i think he's been a bit schizophrenic since we've seen him him being mm -hmm. rising yeah. you know and and then uh having he's like oh it's like and he walked in he had that swagger and you're like okay whatever and then you saw him flip to that darker yeah he had this sort of like other side to him it's like i'm doing whatever i can and the only other time that i saw something like this recently was dr Arik singh from cold station or borderland from uh, enterprise Brent Spiner reprised and played like an earlier version to Khan Union Singh. And he was a genius who was trying to get his augments back. And he did whatever he could. He manipulated everyone around him to do exactly what he wanted. And uh, it was wonderful. Uh, yeah, soon, soon, sorry. Not saying. And um, at, the only thing, his only misstep was his not being able to anticipate how his own augments would do so in in all of those chess moves he couldn't predict that and i think tarka with that expected utility or expected viability i came what he said and he just went flat and he's just like i thought he was just gonna like phaser him i think you're gonna see book in in a brig and michael coming to see him a classic sort of star trek move where like he's there and he's unrepentant i did what i had to do and michael's like whatever and the state will do it president Rillick will come for him she's the devil i've heard i've heard that she's the devil <laughs> oh who said who <laughs> said she was the <laughs> devil the troll. do not feed him i heard i heard she was the ice princess <laughs> yes and then you're gonna get like the admiral of course and president Rillick or whatever and i think you know those interactions and then once the greater council like now this has all been interplayed in the like the field of battle yes she is <laughs> the hubris the hubris you know the next episode is going to open up with president just bitching at them like yeah i i can't believe you yeah, yeah. did this yeah, yeah so i think honestly we're gonna see like uh, antarka like soon hasn't played like uh, the, he's a he's he's the asset and Rillick's, Rillick had said to Vance, that's your man. And she's going to, I think, use it to fry him. 
and Tarka's going to weasel his way out. Now, the one thing that has bothered me throughout this whole thing is if Tarka's that smart to build this bomb and to get himself to the point where he has built a whole other uh, jump device um, for the Mycelium network and, and all these things, whatever, why is he, A, how did he not know that it was being powered from another galaxy? That it was like a, it was, right? that right? it didn't, right? That bothers me that he didn't know that, like, if, if you could build something that could actually negate this DMA thing, he made a null space thing so that it would be, save the power source, basically just stop the explosion from happening, like a normal warp static bubble, like around it. And then it dissipated the network that was holding together all of this as in a frequency way, basically a disruption field. Um, so that the dark matter wouldn't interact in that way. And, but then he didn't know that there was nothing at the center that was like powering it, that it was actually a receiver. How did he not know that? A, and then B, right. you're really trying to get to your own galaxy, universe, whatever it is. And you, you haven't thought about it all this time, like what could power it? There are other instances of universe jumping. We're also far into the future. This is not jiving in terms of like his ability to like he, 10 years, this genius has been brain boxing and not figured out another way to power something. It's like, I need this power source. Why? It hasn't been described and he doesn't even know that it wasn't there. It just bothers me. So I think that Tarka is, yeah, please. So one of the things you said was, is like, he's trying to get back to, um, he's trying to get back to his own universe. My understanding is that he's not that he's actually just trying to get to a universe that's better. I don't understand. Where is this universe? Because I am I feel like I'm missing some reference here. Because I've been kind of going back and forth on this. Because I, I've sort of been wondering if, like, if, if Tarka is going to turn out to be, you know, like Giorgio, um, except so, so profoundly less cool. Um, hmm. But, but I, my sense, my general sense, honestly, is that he's, he's from this universe where the burn occurred and he's trying to find heaven. Right. Right. Which that's is an interesting, which is kind of an interesting move, really. Right. Yeah, that's my understanding too. Is that um, this oh guy that he met when they were being held because he was being held by the Emerald Chain as well, right? He was correct. That's the thing on his back at the back. Right. Oh yes. And so point. he met this guy, right? The, they fell in love or whatever, um, and they were going to try to escape, and they vowed that you know because I think Tarka isn't Tarka. <laughs> or the other guy, I can't remember. One of them, I think, is from another universe. But they were going to go to yet a third universe where everything was supposed to be idyllic. And oh. if they ever escaped from this thing and lost contact with each other, they were both going to meet in this other idyllic universe at some point in the future. And so yeah. he believes he escaped he doesn't know what happened to the other guy. Chances are he died trying to escape, but he's going to try to live up to his vow and try to get to this other universe to see if that guy by some miracle happened to have made it. Right. Which I do think is a remarkably charitable read of Tarka's motivations. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Right. Um, he's, I, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> surprised that he's found one other being that he cares about. Thanks. I mean, we only have his word for it. True. We only have his word for it. Um, William. And I think William has a theory. Yeah, I was trying to get to him. I was being respectful. <laughs> William, you have a theory? <laughs> I like it. Marie's talking. All respect goes out the window. I see. I see you, <laughs> Hey, at least it wasn't me this time, Marie. I am cordial. <laughs> <laughs> you're, still, you're still grounded for calling me Pulaski. Hey, who originally <laughs> called Pulaski? Who's the first? It was this it was Manny. It was Manny, actually. Buddy, on the spot. All right, William. I, also, okay. also, doghouse. Doghouse, take two. <laughs> oh, we will take this. It was we we will take this to opposite tracks, and we will go at it, Marie. <laughs> so, okay. As far as him trying to get to this other universe that's supposedly perfect, we can all have a consensus on that, right? Yeah. Okay, and that he pretty much damn near lost his life trying to make something happen in a small ship that he couldn't really get to and he screwed some stuff up there's only one other man that i know that would pull a stunt like that good okay no one knows all right so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna quote all right it was like being inside joy 
as if joy oh, was something oh. tangible and you could wrap yourself in it like a blanket. Mm -hmm. yeah. And never in my entire life have I ever been as content. The Nexus. The Nexus. Who? What? If we are talking about this universe, which he didn't really describe because I sure didn't catch it. But from what I'm gathering intel from all, all five of you here, he is fighting as if he were sore. Now, I'm not saying he's a Lorian, but I am saying the Nexus right. is unbiased as to who it takes in. Right. Yeah. Don't Maybe. Write it back to Picard. Now, now, let's also take into account that the Nexus is, or the, the energy ribbon, let's just say for scientific purposes, is affected by gravitational push and pull. Okay? Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of power source he needs. I don't know if he saw the 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 DMA as a gravitational opportunity since it was five light years long. Like, I don't know. Now, I'm not saying it is it is that. I'm just saying that as far as theories go, that's the one that fits the puzzle for me. Hmm. Manny, you've got a question for opposite or for what if now. That's true. Do we, do we think the burn and what happened with the burn affected the Nexus? Oh, oh. shoot. Uh, the Nexus. Look at me, I'm contributing. No, of course you are. No, um, I mean I don't. I would throw that to everyone else because if it if it affected that lithium and resonated in such a way, so it's a, it's a resonant frequency basically dispersion. Mm -hmm. Then, is it really affecting subspace? Not really. Um, no, but the, is the but is the nexus part of subspace, or is it actually, or is it actually, you know, they call it an energy ribbon for a reason? Yes. Yes, it's basically energy. It's a wave function. It's not really so, particle based. So the resonance here from the from the burn could theoretically have interrupted or altered the wave function of, you know, of the nexus of the energy ribbon itself. How so? This is where Manny comes in. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we're all. Because I, 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 I really, I really need Manny to explain this because the way it's computing in my head. He's gone. He's left the building. Oh my god! I almost didn't come tonight. Almost. Well, I mean, if it's going to affect the ribbon, wouldn't it affect all energy sources in the galaxy then? But didn't it? Okay, no, I think we... it just affected dilithium, right? It exploded dilithium. That's what I'm saying. Any dilithium that was being used, uh, that was in, in a use. in use, that was in a um, reactor core on a starship, blew up. Mm. So we know that happened, but we don't mm -hmm. actually necessarily we haven't actually gotten anything concrete referring to other power sources. We just know that there was subsequent experimentation with other power sources and nothing ever quite got to the dilithium phenomenon. Right. Yes. We don't, but we don't know what the impact of the burn was on impulse engines, on nuclear power stations, on planets or the other mysterious ways they power their civilizations. Like yeah, yeah. that never I'm gets thinking, covered. I'm thinking because we've established that the, the shockwave um, from the child crying over his mother, which I still- I'm, I'm gonna need you, I'm just gonna need you to let that go, William. Okay, much, okay. much, much, okay. much- Okay, I'm just gonna say for, can, for, for, for canon's sake, for canon's sake, we have already established in the previous season <laughs> that it was a specific frequency that traveled at the speed of, damn near the speed of light okay right yeah. so that's it was a frequency what affected the nexus was an was a gravitational correct. shock wave correct so it's like so it's like i mean it's as far as how sound goes like one is it's a wave frequency. based versus particle based exactly thank you thank you yes. thank you so so yeah so it's and then so that's on the front end now on the back end with the ships actually exploding if you think about how big the galaxy is and 10 million ships blowing up, it's like, it doesn't really do much. Um, because and now if you had now, now, if you had, space dock though, well, 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 here's the thing though. I think 10 million stars blowing up at the same time will definitely affect the Nexus versus 10 million ships because we saw it in Voyager when the Q were in a civil war. Yeah. Like we saw all of that. We saw exactly right. what, like three shot, three supernovas back to back to back. Now yeah. that would have happened. I'm, I would have. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. All right, we need to get back to Rubicon, Jermaine. 
You know what, y'all, in, in a roundabout way, you all already answered uh, my last question. But, you know, for the sake of it, I'll just say, <laughs> um, how will Species 10C react or respond to perceived Federation aggression? Marie. Respect to these questions. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh Rocks and slingshots, honestly. I don't think, <laughs> I, I really don't think 10C cares um, at all. Um, I I really like the I really like the idea of the danger posed of like the the, the DMA you know <laughs> functioning under some sort of like space OSHA or space EPA regulations <laughs> so it, it contains itself and then just reboots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really like that as a concept. But I think but I think it's really fat. One of the things I really like about the concept of Ten C there are two things. I love that they're new. We're not, yeah. they're not a reference to anything else. This is something that is unique to discovery. And I feel, I feel like it's about damn time Two, um, they are as far from the Federation as the Federation has been in say, you know, for example, who watches the watchers back in TNG days. <clears throat> so the question is going to be, um, the Federation is going to try to make first contact with these people are they going are, are they even going to entertain this mm. maybe they have their own version of a first of a like a prime directive mm. roy come on down <laughs> yeah like i said we were just a bug you know like, <laughs> on, reboot william It, look, I'll be honest with you. I knew the season was not over. Far from over, okay? But I was a little... I, I, for, for season four, they did a great... See, Discovery did a great job in making shockers. I really loved the way they did that. Like with Booker's Homeworld destroyed, finding out this, finding out that, blah, 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 blah. So the way they showed it on screen that the DMA is backed as if it was never touched... It's like, I, so my jaw literally dropped as I was finishing my Oreo cake and, and I was enjoying it and, and saw it. I was like, well, you got to have a reason to finish the season. So, uh, but I think um, in terms of that. I don't know what to think. How how are they going to respond? I, I I they are so big. It's like it's like Q looking down on a human, looking down on an ant. <laughs> we have to understand the power difference between these two. And as far as what I think the Federation will do, I hope they equip every single ship with a spore drive and build it fast because they mm. are going to need it if shit hits the roof. Mm. Get out of there. Go, go find another home because if they are that is their mining ship. I'm sorry, I'm one of those. You can't tell me to go into the attic by myself, and you can't tell me to go into the basement. I'm not gonna trip over a rock that didn't exist while Jason is chasing me from behind. <laughs> I'm getting the hell out of there. Like, why are we why, why are we wasting time entertaining this conversation? Like, the only reason I didn't cuss book out was because he's technically an alien. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, look, is making, he is making the classic blunders, isn't he? I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that I'm ready for it and I'm here for it. And we are actually doing really good on time. Yep, 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 yep. I was going to, oh, okay. I'm sorry. So I was going to let Danger close us out. But since yes. Danger wants to go, Danger, you go. And then Manny will go after that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was going to say that technically, in my mind, both Burnham and Book screwed the pooch on the whole thing with respect to Tarka. I mean, these two were couriers in the courier network and arguably successful couriers because they're still alive. So <laughs> that tells me that they, they've got to be able to read people and to understand people's motivations be able to deal with them and to accomplish their goals and you're gonna try to tell me that neither of them saw uh tarka's tendencies here no, no nothing set off any of the alarms in booker's mind when first he modifies the security system 
on Book's ship without telling him. And then in the middle of the confrontation with Discovery, he just slams down on the con console and launches quantum torpedoes at Discovery, a, a full spread. At that point, wouldn't you kind of tap the console a little bit and lock that fucker out? I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> danger. Right? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. <laughs> danger. I'm saying lock him out. The man's a madman. If he's taking over my ship and doing stuff without my permission. I mean, listen. Flashback to last, season one of Picard, right? And you've got um, Rios on his ship there. Mm -hmm. And Dodge goes and takes over his ship. Because she's going to take it to warn her home planet. Mm -hmm. And what's he do? He whistles some tone mm -hmm. and the entire computer shuts down. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that 930 years in the future, mm -hmm. Book's not sophisticated enough to be able to shut down his ship when he thinks somebody's taking over control and doing stuff that that they shouldn't be doing? No, no. Rios is just that shady. Well, Rios is a Starfleet officer, so obviously he's probably all well, on yeah. security and and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I bet he has. I bet he has. He if you, if you remember season months. three, episode one, yeah, he 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 did. He had yeah. contingencies, but they just didn't show it in this episode. Yeah, he needed a failsafe for sure. You know, some kind of failsafe like uh, King to King to Queens level three or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe a successful courier like that wouldn't be prepared for this type of stuff and be able to shut somebody out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that think, just seems like, uh, I mean, um, advanced technology doesn't always mean advanced mindsets. Like, well, cause, true. Cause it's like, cause it's like, I, I, I totally agree because I think the point that we've all seen to collectively make tonight is you have this, but you didn't think of that. Right. But when has there not been a Star Trek episode where we were like, you have this and you didn't think that and you're in the 24th century? <laughs> I could think of that. But at the same time, yeah. we were watching 52 years of Star Trek. Right. So, so. But so. William, William, if you're the captain of your own starship. Yes. And William. you've got this guy on there that you've just met. Right. Right. Yes. And you're trying to do this dangerous thing that's you're, going to possibly you're not wrong you're not wrong war. you're not wrong wouldn't you kind of take some precautions yeah, after you, you saw this guy do one thing that without your permission on okay. your ship if you're okay. not suicidal okay. and therefore not exactly thinking clearly you know i might yes you like know, if, if book were at the top of his game yeah. sure yeah. but i don't think he's at the top of his game and also i think we you know we need to give him some credit for, you know, how muddling adrenaline can actually be yeah, in terms cool. of your ability to think through this process. That's why that's one of the reasons why um, infantry basic training ends with a stress shoot. And yeah. you're doing real well if you hit four out of ten. Yeah. Right. Speaking of the military, let's go to Manny yep. so we can close this out. <laughs> oh, man, I, was, I was about to go in. I was about to go in. Look, Jermaine. look you know, you know how I am. Like I, I'm 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 trying to keep it, you know, I'm trying to keep it like, <laughs> even though Jermaine I is like the conversation over, has got like, guys, literally got six people here again. We're gonna be here for another three hours. Lord. Him mercy. Easily. I, try, I try to keep it uh, light and spicy and whatever. I think that you had the two options. One, either that this DMA thing regenerated as being powered externally in which they didn't even notice it. So they actually haven't made first contact at all. Or they did. And since they're farming this farming, this galaxy and they're extra galactic and might maybe are farming many galaxies if you're at that yes. level. Okay. you Your idea of sentience is very different than your own idea of sentience. It's like, you know, as, as you've intimated, whatever it's like stepping on a gnat or whatever, maybe it is that there is that arrogance of spirit and that hubris, you know, like to, to bring back the uh, the thing. Where is she? Where is she? The, the hubris. Where is she? I gotta go to she? another place. I gotta go to another place. It's all good. It's all good. The moment My, is gone. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just hubris. Hubris. Um, I don't think they know anything about the Federation. I think they just... And so if they do, if they go in and they make some kind of contact, it will be like when they met the Borg. It will be so overwhelming. Like right. what, the first time you see the Borg and when, before you see Whoopi Goldberg, you know, uh, Guinan, whatever, they try to negotiate. They try yeah. to, you know, oh, they tried. It is like, so, yeah, they tried so hard just to 
be like, are they reasonable? And Guinan's like, run. <laughs> it's such right. an unexpected. That, that's what I'm of, saying. Even of all, the, of all people knew. Get the hell the out moments, of there. Of all the moments in Star Trek, that's one of the most frightening to me. Yes. Right. Absolutely. I agree. And I think I think you're gonna see that actually, where they all these people with their all their machinations and all this buildup, and it's just gonna be I mean, William said, run. Uh, you know, getting like all these like spore drives and whatever, and something cataclysmic happening, whatever. I don't know what mechanic they'll actually use, what what way they'll actually use to like use them and how they'll actually manifest Tensi. I just know that we've never seen anything like this before. This is new. And to, to Marie's point, whatever, it's refreshing, but it's yeah, also it's a little, exciting. yeah. So I, what I'll say is that I think that the response will be like nothing we've ever seen, ever. Mm-hmm. All right. And with that said, thank you all so very much for joining, our, for watching our latest edition of Trekker's Delight. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed today's uh, That's episode. Awesome. I really, truly yeah, have. I love um, Thank you all so very much. You know, for a long time, we were like, no, 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 we're going to cap it at a certain number. But for some reason, this group, you know, we, we did a really good job. Um, pat yourselves on the back. Um, for everyone else who who has been watching, please like, comment, share, subscribe, um, do whatever it is that you have to do um, to get the word out about Trekkers Delight. Thank you all so very much. And now.